I've learned to slam on the brake before I even turn on this podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you guys know that I am now on Patreon. First of all, I want to say that I am so grateful to anyone who listens to this podcast. However, if you do want to support me further, you can do so on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash and other Kiwi dreams where you can select a tier from as little as $1 a week. With each tier comes a few different perks including behind the scenes stuff, asking the guests questions, shout outs on the podcast and more. So that's patreon.com forward slash and other Kiwi dreams to support me and in turn I'll be able to create better content for you. And with that, Let's get into the 10th episode of Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, guest starring Nikki Douglas. Hello, welcome to Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, a weekly podcast exploring the lives and minds of theatre practitioners in and around the New Zealand performing arts industry. I'm your host, James Shearer. Today, I am joined by dancer, singer, and composer, Nikki Douglas. Nikki and I were in the same year level at the National Academy of Singing and Dramatic Arts. Although our skills were similar, our careers have taken very different paths. Nikki joins the podcast to talk about the struggles of moving to a new school in a new country in year eight. We get into our experiences in our three years at NASDA, and of course, Nikki details his two years of working in the UK. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, enjoy our conversation with Nikki on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams. Hey Nikki, how's it going? Good, thanks. Good, good. How's it going over in London town? It's great. It's it's very hot now. Um, it's starting to look, really creep up into summer, which sounds good. But we are in a top. We're in the top floor of the apartment, and there's no air conditioning, and we're stuck inside. So it's just like sweaty it's sweaty and it's like it's so warm that you just don't have any energy so you just go take a nap a hot sweaty nap mm. <laughs> yeah yeah cool sure let's let's crack into the um, uh, music theater side okay we'll start off with a hard-hitting question of what is your favorite musical okay right so we've got to break it into categories <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so- so there's not one there can't be one no there there can't be the most recent one that i've been listening to is The Colour Purple, so the revival one that was just just done. Just listened to that on a walk the other day, and I was like, this is so, so, so good. And I kind of came to the conclusion that it was like, this is the best example of a show with really dark, serious stuff, and then they break into song and it's not corny, or it's not like, you know, extra. Sure. As musicals usually are. It's such a good example of like how to write real bangers and still have it really meaningful and really, and I'm, I mean, I'm not religious at all. My family's basically like the Antichrist family, <laughs> but listening to that cast recording is, is the closest I'll ever be to having like a religious experience. You finish that, um, I'm here when she sings mm-hmm. that and then it sing, and then they do this lovely gospel song, the color purple. And it's literally like washing away all the horrible stuff that happened in the show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd highly recommend that one. Uh, my favorite at the moment is that. But then mm-hmm. favorite of all time would be like something like Sweeney Todd. Um, but that's like, th- th- this is a category thing because Sweeney Todd on the like clever artsy side 
Yeah. But then I also love Legally Blonde. Great. And like Hairspray. <laughs> yeah, the big showy ones. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I love Sweeney Todd because it's it's right in the balance of being clever and, and wanky and being really entertaining. You know what I mean? It's not quite as artsy as uh, Sunday. Yeah. But then it, it's just right in the middle of where it's just clever enough that you can listen to it a hundred times and still find something new. I love Little Shop. I love Legally Blonde. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's got good bangers, though. It really does. Yeah. It's got good tunes. It's just something that you can turn on and just not care. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We'll jump back in time mm-hmm. to kind of your childhood. Were you musical as a kid? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I like to do dress-ups and, like, after-school care and stuff. I had piano since I think I was seven or eight that's really all I did was just like I mean even through high school and stuff it was just like as soon as I could choose my own subjects like in year 13 I think I did double music design drama and dance was all my subjects right I don't know if it was more to do with the fact that I wasn't good at anything else sure yeah <laughs> I, I feel that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> My dad played the drums and mum mm-hmm. is a wardrobe manager. So they would always be involved in some sort of theatre when we were in Australia. Mum was doing costumes for a little shop for Amdram in, in the town we were living uh-huh. in. And then dad also played the drums mm-hmm. for that. So the amount of times that I saw that show, I think may have something to do with why I love that show so much. And it was also the first, yeah. the first show that I was in, in high school. It could go either way. You could hate it because you heard it so much, but yeah. Yeah, but it's so good. It's such a good musical, yeah. It's so <laughs> How good. How could you I hate just, Little Shop? Oh my God, my favorite song, um, I was watching it on the YouTube the other day. Somewhere That's Green is got the mm-hmm. best lyrics ever because her dreams, her dreams are so stupid. And yeah. so like, <laughs> she's like, oh, TV yeah, so dinners. Sad. It's like, yeah, it's, it's so like heartbreaking. so sad, but so funny at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, great. You said your family was in Australia, so you, you moved around a bit. Yeah, so we were born, I, I was born in, I like to tell people Wellington, but it was really Lower Hutt. Love Lower Hutt. <laughs> <laughs> and then we moved to Australia when I was like three, so we were in Sydney for a few years, and then um, in Melbourne for six years after that. By the time I was 13, we had lived in like 14 different houses. Sure. I don't know why we moved so often. <laughs> um I th- they, my parents are just like, like, I'm so amazed when people say like, oh, I, I lived in Christchurch my whole life and I never moved and we lived in the whole ha- the same house the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been quite good for me because I'm very, it's very easy for me to just leave. Like I moved school a bunch of times and I just got very used to like. Yeah, I was going to ask, was it hard moving schools and kind of changing that sort of thing? I mean, it is, but only for like a month. It's hard. Mm. I mean, from memory, you know, you cry a bit when you say goodbye to your friends and then you're just like, oh, it's a new school. That's exciting. Yeah. I do remember, though, when I moved to New Zealand, I was moving into what's intermediate is in seven and eight. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I moved into intermediate in year eight. So I'd already missed the first year of intermediate, which was weird. Yeah, that's tough. And you're this new kid from Australia. And intermediate is... A weird concept to me because it's right when all the kids are in the worst part of their life of like puberty and stuff. Yeah. Half the kids are like 5'10", have a beard and stuff, and half the kids are still little and scrawny, and it's just a mad mess of... Yeah, I don't love intermediate school, but high school, year nine, was much more fun, yeah. I'm guessing you weren't the 5'10 with a beard? No, I got no. Just on the theatre thing, you said that you kind of didn't think you were good at anything else, which totally feel. 
totally feel that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was there a moment that kind of made you say, this is what I want to do? Can you think of a, a specific thing that happened? I mean, maybe it was watching those shows that my mum was involved in. Probably that. I mean, I still remember the specific smell of the wardrobe room that mothballs and old lady cigarettes. That was just so exciting to me. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you go into a new theater, you're like, this is the smell. Yeah. Especially Amdram. And it's always wardrobe departments because everything's from an op shop and it just has that, like that specific scent. I don't know if that's it. That's probably not the reason why I want to do theater. (laughs) That smell. (laughs) The Um, smell of the wardrobe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, um, I just kind of, that's all I did. I would just, I would do puppetry as a kid. I would make little puppets out of corks. I don't remember there's a moment, but it's just like, it's just continuous. Yeah. Was there ever anything else in your mind? I mean, during the first show, I didn't get to do a show until I got to New Zealand. I mean, right. because I was very young anyway. So, so I went to Nelson uh, in year eight. And then mm-hmm. in year nine, I got to be in Cats with the theatre company that's there, the amateur theatre company. So that was my first experience. And that was really, really cool. Were you a dancer in that? Yeah. There was like, ah, uh, there was so many people in that show. Right. It was actually, weirdly enough, the costumes that the NASDA production of Cats did. If you remember right. that yeah. whole, yeah, it was that whole set. And I still remember, yeah, my mum doing my makeup for me because I was awful at it. <laughs> and she would always do it way better than anybody else. <laughs> right. You were like the good looking one. Yeah, I was like, my makeup's going to be perfect because my mum did it. <laughs> I still remember uh, one moment they, they had a, there was a whole bunch of dry ice on the stage during the end of the show. And in the bows, I like slipped as I was running across, literally mm-hmm. from the center of the stage to the other side. <laughs> literally like three meters of slippage that happened. And this was when I was like, what, 13? Oh, that was it. That was the, that was, I was like, that's. <laughs> That's the theatre bug right there. So the answer to the question is when I slipped in Cats. That was the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing can be more thrilling than this. Yeah. Yeah. Fa- failing in front of thousands of people is why we do theatre. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. You know what's really, it's really terrible though. I do love when stuff like that happens, especially when mm-hmm. I'm in the show. For example, I just did a cruise contract for about mm-hmm. six months. So you're repeating the same show over and over again. And you get about four months in the line and you just start to do this show and you're like, I just wish one of us would fall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or I wish there'd be like, I wish there'd be like a show stop, like an emergency. Yeah. yeah oh, just God, it's just so thrilling. And everyone exciting. else. And when we did have show stops, like, for example, we had a, we had a revolve on the ship and it would break sometimes because it was yeah. old and, and whatever. And when we had a show stop, everyone's panicking. Like our, our manager is freaking out. Like everyone get backstage and like, we're figure out. I'm just sitting there like, I love this. I love this. Break yeah. the monotony of it. Which I don't know if it's the most healthy way to be, but. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have something to spice up, something that you're doing every single day the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even when I got to London, I was lucky enough to get a job ushering at Hamilton. And in the like three months that I worked there, only once we had like a show stop. It was because there was the worst rainstorm that had happened in ages. And there was one leak in the theatre. There were no other leaks. The one leak centre front of the stage. Really? There was droplets of water. Nowhere else. It was the weirdest thing. It was like, that was where the leak, it was like it was on purpose. It was really weird. <laughs> Someone and, drilled a hole in the roof. <laughs> yeah. And it was literally like just a few drops of water coming through, but they had to completely show stop. And the stage hand comes out with a little cloth. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> rubs to the floor. And I just love that. What did that. they do? Like, did they just patch, patch the roof? and carry on i think it just kind of stopped maybe someone went up there with a bucket or something but i mean with the amount of movement that happens in that show they obviously can't let any amount of water be there because it's very unsafe but i just i love that that stagehand just come to save the day with her little blue Ooh, cloth what? on her knees and she's like Ugh. that would have been the time of her life yeah it was a starring moment loved it <laughs> so you were in a band in high school right was it? oh i was <laughs> was i yes and- i was in my research, it's called A Little Bit Different. What? Yep. How the fuck? Oh my God. <laughs> what? Let me tell you your past. <laughs> oh my God. How did you find this? I don't even know what that is. A Little Bit Different? Oh no. Am I on TV? <gasps> I know what this is. Uh-huh. 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 Oh, I didn't God. see the TV thing. I just saw the article about you guys being on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and you're... <laughs> There's a photo of your of the band and you're just like in the background on the piano. <laughs> like, yeah, oh my god, you're really like digging up a real past memory. That's so weird. Well, okay. We weren't so much a band as in like we just had learnt one song. Um it was really weird. It was the it was for New Zealand's Got Talent, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So we it was the weirdest thing. We I think we went to audition for New Zealand's Got Talent. Don't know why. Something to do. We were terrible. Bored. You're bored. Yeah. Um, and they were like, no, we actually want you to play your song on like live morning TV instead of auditioning as like a promo for the show. Very long ago. I think that's what happened. A little bit different, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was in a jazz band. I was in the jazz band. We didn't have a name, but like, I was in like a number of jazz bands during high school and we did, do you know Southern Jam Festival? There's a similar one in up north, but yeah. Right. Yeah. So we did that a lot, um, which I, thinking back was so, so good for me. And I, I love that I did that because it was... Be on piano. Yeah. We had a great jazz teacher at Nayland. So that's where I learned how to do improv and stuff on the piano, which has been really helpful mm. for me later on. Yeah. Apart from that, I haven't really been in any bands. I should. I think it would be good for me to get in a mm. band now that I'm here as yeah. well. But I'm not very good at stuff that isn't corny musical theatre. I thought you were going to say I'm not very good in a group. <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, I mean, I need to be <laughs> in charge. Uh, I think I'd be better off being composer-lyricist than being in a band because then I can, be in, I can be the boss. Yeah. <laughs> composer, lyricist, director, lead pianist, and singer. <laughs> it's me at Nasdaq. Oh, my God. We'll get to that, don't worry. Oh, my God. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Before we do get to that, what is your dream role to play that you haven't played already? Um, I would love to be in the Book of Mormon. Sure. Not as Price or um, any of the roles. Maybe the, what's his, what's his name? The one who does Turn It Off? Green? Elder Green. Maybe that one. But more I would just love to be one of the guys in that mm. show. That's probably the one show that I, oh, that should have been my favorite show. Because that's what I've seen the most. And I would always go back to that knowing 100% sure that it will, will have a good time. Is that funny every single time? Mm. And you've said that you're not religious, so yeah, it works. Yeah, it's real fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's the show that people always are like, you should be in that, which is always fun to hear because I'm like, yeah, I know, but I can't get an audition, so thanks. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of unlucky because right when I got to London, in the week before I left, uh, they were having auditions in Auckland for the Aussie one, which I didn't yeah. go because I was leaving. And then in the week that I got to London... Basically, they were having auditions for the um, for the UK tour, so I missed both right. of them, which was very frustrating. And mm. now, um, it's 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 just it's really hard to get into into the room for those shows because 
there's so many people and they, they don't have the time. And a lot of the time they'll just call in the people that they saw last audition. Yeah. Cause I guess, I guess it's already going. So they don't really want to get new people into it. And as you said, they don't have time. All I'm hoping is that show, that show keeps running for at least another 10 years. And within that mm. 10 years, I can have a go. I think it's popular enough. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of your study, you went to Hagley College? Yes. Correct. For one year. Well, for, for one year. Two year for one year. You tell me, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it was one year. So in year 12, mum was working in the court theatre. So she was commuting the whole way to Nelson to Christchurch all the time, which was like really? ridiculous. Every oh, weekend God. she was driving all mm. the way back and forth from Christchurch five hours. So in year 13, I left Nayland to go to Hagley for one year. It's an interesting school because it's a, it's a community college. So basically anyone of any age can go there. Um, so a lot of people who never right. finished school will go there to finish high school and stuff like that or do extra things that they wanted to do. Did you have to audition to get in? No, anyone can go. It's like it's just a specialist high school. That was the one where I did two music and dance and drama and design. Unlike normal schools where it's like the most amount of kids in the, is in year nine and then it goes up like a triangle, smaller and smaller. It's the opposite. More and more kids will will join the school up until you're 13, where they have the biggest amount. It's also very cool. They have no uniform and not even no uniform, but no uniform rules at all. You wear whatever you like. And all the teachers you call by their first name. I think I think a lot of schools could learn some things from Hackley about that. It's very it's very good for people who are who are different, you know. Sure. Who who maybe were in other schools and didn't fit in and, and didn't like the setup. So yeah, but mm. I was just there for a year. And then I went to Nesta. So NASDA. Yes. I was quite excited to talk to you about NASDA because I feel like we were quite similar in our and what we wanted to get out of it and our kind of skill set, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you about it, basically. How did you find it? So like most people, first year is great. Stupid, get drunk, have fun, learn some stuff. Wild. Second year, literally the worst year of my life. Like so horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then third year is okay again. So if anyone's at NASDA now, I don't know if it's the same. It it may be the completely different. It probably is. There's a whole bunch of new teachers in the system's very different there. But yeah. second year sucks and it will suck. The best thing that happened that year was Aaron Wells telling me, like right when I was in the middle of like the worst part, Aaron was like, Yeah, this is the same for everybody. Cause I didn't know that it was the same. Cool. Yeah. She's like, Yeah, everyone goes everyone hates second year. Uh, and that was for a number of reasons. Um, we, we had a weird year because the school was going through so many changes, which was just unfortunate for us. And unfortunately, most of those changes happened in second year. <laughs> exactly. Right in the worst time. Yeah. So yeah, we lost Nesda's top acting tutors, Stefan Ross. Who'd been there for, since the start, basically. Yeah. And then Richard left because he was doing his sabbatical. I don't know. There was a lot of staff changes. And then we just got a whole range of different acting tutors and week after week, it was another different person. And I, it, it, there was just some, you could tell and and some of the changes, there was some like, there was some resentment in the leaving, if you know what I mean. With some of the people who were mm. leaving, it was for not very positive reasons. And we all heard about them. Yeah. And then we realized yeah. those reasons. And then we were like, yo, fix this. Mm. I think looking back, I couldn't have not done it. I was growing up as a person. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, in second year, I was a total a-hole. <laughs> I was the worst student. Right when I was having lots of issues with NASDA, uh, Stephen Robertson actually said to me, yeah, the reason you don't like it is because you have a problem with authority. And I was like, oh 
my God, that's so true, which is really yeah. bad in a performing arts career. I think I just didn't trust people as in like the tutors and, and, and maybe other people in our, in our class. I didn't trust that they were giving the right advice or, or whatever. In the middle of second year, when those staff changes were happening, and I now understand why it was so difficult for the school at the time. For example, we would turn up and we wouldn't know what was happening that week. Yeah. We wouldn't get the schedule until like late night, the Sunday before. So we had some struggles. <laughs> we had some fun though. We, the really funniest bit about Nesda, I still remember this memory, is that we were all kind of having these angsty issues, figuring it out and learning who we are and whatever. And and mm -hmm. and basically in second year is the time that Nesda really tries to get in there and like fix some of your issues. Yeah, it's like first year you kind of come in with your own thing and then second year they kind of break you down and say, eh, not say you're doing it wrong, but this is how it should be done. And then third year, it's like building those blocks back up. Yeah. Third year they're kind of just like, ah, he's learned what he can. Now let's do some <laughs> practice. Yeah, let's just get to the work. Yeah, yeah. So when they were having all those issues with the with the scheduling and with the staff and all that i remember our class got all kind of angsty and negative and there was all these rumors that a lot of them i was involved in because i'm really was a sassy bitch back then still am but <laughs> but you don't have as many people around you so no no <laughs> <laughs> so we actually ended up having a meeting yep. a mediated meeting they were concerned that we were all bullying each other and they were like why is everyone so mean to each other i feel like there's a big issue and basically it was this crazy meeting of everyone had a big cry everyone had a big cry it was a big cry it was it was a total mess with the lovely oh my god i've forgotten her name right now she taught dance all the time oh my god i love her so much oh alia alia yes who has a degree in psychology like sports psychology or something like that yeah yeah and she was meeting in the meeting and she had all these wonderful exercises to get us to understand each other uh so there's a whole bunch of crying about that but then it turned out that the whole class was just like, it's not, we don't hate each other. Yeah. We just really hate the system that we're in right now because it's yeah. not good and it's not healthy. And we just don't know what's going on. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I remember being like, they did like a round the circle of like, if there's one thing you could change about the school, what would it be? So people would say stuff like, ah, oh, I wish we would just not judge each other. I'm making this up. You know what I mean? Something like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not, I, I wish we could all get along better. And then it got to me and I was like, uh, scheduling. And she's like, what? And I'm like, scheduling. Literally all the issues that are with the school could be fixed with scheduling. And then the best bit was that they listened. And next year they had literally the whole, I think the whole semester's schedule printed out for us on the first day. I think so. Yeah. Which was just so much better because then people knew what they were doing. They knew what they had to prepare for. Um, there was yeah. way less stress and third year ended up being much more fun than the hot mess that second year was. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like, I definitely would not be where I am today without going to NASDA. Yeah. Like I, I don't regret going to NASDA at all. I just regret the student loan. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me want to say if you're in NASDA now and you're listening to this for whatever reason, for my wise words of NASDA, um, if you're in first year and you're unsure about doing theater, then just leave. Because student loan will come back and F you in the A. And, and to have a student loan about something that you were like, meh about is not great. It's not helpful. So I would just say it's not worth, you know, going through three years of something that you're not really, really in love with. Yeah. Like if, the, if there's something else, if there's anything else that you are passionate about or love. Yeah. Or take a year off or like, I mean, is they still have first year free. So that's great. Yeah. So they can always they, like. Yeah. Now they do. <laughs> yeah, didn't we, we were there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think maybe there was 
we had 28 in our class, which is a lot. And and NASDA is a musical theater school. I appreciate people like, like we had Max in our class. I was going to say, yeah. And she was excellent and she loved it and she had heaps of fun. But I think she got to the end of first year and she was like, this isn't me. She's not a musical theater person. And then she went and did acting, did a degree in acting instead. Yeah. And it's the same, same with Nomi, like we were talking about. She, yeah. she went into the actors program for a year after NASDA. I mean, if you're not sure, then stay because then you'll figure it out at some point. But if you know that you're like, I don't love musicals and I'm not loving it. You're not only wasting your own time, you're wasting everybody else in the class's time. And you're wasting money. Yeah. Oh, we got so much money. <laughs> yeah. In a career that will now not make you anything. Woo. One last little thing about NASDA is you did showbiz shows during NASDA. Yes. Controversial. I, I guess just what I was wondering was... Like, how was that for you? Um, okay. I did, what did I do when I was at NASDA? I did Phantom, Mamma and Hespre while I was at NASDA. At the time, I don't know if it's the same now again, I, do, I can't speak for NASDA, but at the time, they were not keen on people being in showbiz shows at the same time. I've, I still don't understand why that is, because showbiz is the most awesome experience. They were worried that the way that showbiz is run, they would teach you bad habits, which I still don't believe. They do treat you like royalty because they appreciate that people are working during the day and they appreciate that people are putting their time in for free. They really take care of their performers really well. But you're working with the top directors in Christchurch and with totally. Richard Merritt and, and stuff. Yeah. So it just it didn't really make any sense to me why they weren't supportive. I, I can understand why they were iffy about timing and stuff. But at the time, they were just like, we would just rather that you not at all. So doing uh, Mamma Mia and Phantom were totally fine. They ended up being the schedule was fine. I didn't have any clashes or anything like that. And that was only in first year as well. So we weren't really doing anything that crazy in first year. It got a little funny again in second year, obviously, because second year is a hellhole. But yeah. when I did Hairspray, all the stuff happened at once. Uh, we were rehearsing for Mad Forest oh, that's so long ago. And it was in the middle of winter and I was moving house and my car broke down. And it was right uh-huh. at the beginning of, of the opening of Hairspray and I was playing Link, mm-hmm. which was super fun and I loved it. It's one of my favorite characters, again, because he's so stupid. And it's really fun to play stupid things because he's just so dumb. So I got strep throat right on the opening really, really badly. So it would have been my my most, like, fun role that I've ever done. But because of that reason, it was actually really not a fun time. And I remember at the time, it was, was, the timing was so awful because it was like, I got sick. And then on the opening night was the night before that I had not slept at all because I was like coughing and throwing up and stuff and being really ill. Uh, so I was like, I can't go to class to say today because I'm very, very sick, but it was the opening night as well. So it looked really bad for the school. They literally asked me, you can't do that. You can't skip rehearsal for the play to go because you've got opening night of hairspray. So it was a really bad look for me. Yeah. But the truth was I was just very, very unwell. Yeah. And I remember coming back to school and like having to, and like giving them a doctor's certificate and being like, look, I was actually sick. I don't know what it's like now, but I would hope that Nestor is still encouraging, well, is now encouraging people to do showbiz because it's just it's such a cool experience. And like I was saying with Nesda, I also would not be where I am today without showbiz. Yeah. yeah totally. well, I, I didn't do it at, at Nesda, obviously, but I did. I got into Wicked straight after and Wicked led to Les Mis, Les Mis led to all the other stuff, and that led to the court show that I did. I mean, honestly, apart from court theatre, I guess, showbiz is the closest thing you're going to get to doing a professional musical. 
in Christchurch, to be honest. I mean, it, for some people, it is a professional music because sometimes people are compensated uh, for difficult roles, which is fine. The level of quality is so high uh, in those shows that it's yeah. really worth doing, um, especially when you're working yeah. with someone like Richard and someone like Stephen, because the amount of stuff you learn from Richard just doing, just learning the music, yeah. learning about cutoffs. That duo of Richard and Stephen is world class. Absolutely. Um, and then Glenn as well as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. If you're in Nesda now, Glenn, oh, you need to be going to his classes at Southern Ballet because um, ballet is very, very important. And unfortunately, you do not get enough time of ballet uh, during the week. This is my advertisements for Glenn's classes. He's very, very, very good and knows exactly what he's doing. Shout out to Glenn. Shout out to Glenn. Oh, Glenn and Stephen. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about Broadway Dance Centre, mm-hmm. which we both went to, which is why I say <laughs> we're quite similar. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you went for three months. Yes, I did. So I did what's called the International Student Visa Program. Basically, it's like they help you get to New York and they have all these support systems for you. And you basically are buying three months of classes in bulk mm. that you can choose whatever class you want to do. So the really cool thing about the the program is that anyone can go really, uh, you don't really have to audition. Uh, it's really for, for any kind of level and style of dancing that you want. And it's, I would say it's probably like what, one of the top commercial musical theater, it's probably the top commercial musical theater dance school in the world for like open classes. Yeah. All the Broadway performers go there and yeah, yeah. It's open classes. So it's professional level. You pay, you go once and you do the class and it's an experience of an hour and a half. Mm high, high quality teaching. I find it unfortunate that, for example, Christchurch doesn't really have a lot of open classes. Like people come and do workshops and things for a short amount of time. But what was really, really helpful about doing Broadway Dance Center is it was learning to pick up Cory. I mean, I may have picked up some skills stylistically, I don't know, but that's probably the number one thing that I that I really practiced on for three months. Every single class was a different piece of choreography, which is so, so important when you're in auditions. So I would I would highly recommend that to anyone who wants to do the the three month one you can either do three months or six months or nine or twelve depending on you know how much money you have the only difficult thing is you have to pay for accommodation i was very lucky because um my boyfriend at the time was living in new york so i was able to stay with him yeah uh so it just really cut a lot of the finances off that but i mean i i feel like i did it in a great time i did it between second year and third year Mm. and from like first year to second year i was saving up all of my money from the um, the allowance. It's just because I was living at home as well. So I was very, very fortunate that I was able to live at home, save up, get the allowance, which is probably why my loan is so horrendous, and then go to New York during the break between second and third year. Yeah. And coming back with all this cool stuff. It was so good. I miss it. Yeah, it's awesome. When I went, the thing I noticed was there are so many different dance styles that I just had no idea about. Yeah. Like there was jazz fusion. Like, <laughs> yeah, I took one. I wish I'd taken more, but I was always like, I've got to take one hip hop class a week. Me and hip hop is, is embarrassing. Um, and I, I have this gray hoodie, you know, that one gray hoodie that everyone has. I have the gray hoodie that I have to wear to my hip hop classes or else I would not feel the part. And I would <laughs> no joke, look like Eminem. It was really embarrassing. Anyway, I always take one hip hop class and they would really, they really encourage you to take a class, um, a class a week. That's like your weird class. So like take a different weird class once, well, not weird, but like something you would never do. 
I took a voguing class. I wish I'd done more. The teacher was like a legit 1980s club kid voguing person. Like it was so authentic. He was walking around the room and he was like, what makes you feel feminine? What is it to be feminine? What is it to be a woman? (laughs) And then we had to be like, pretty? I don't know. was so much fun and i wish i did it more because it's such a good party trick but yeah there's a lot of interesting like i did latin fusion i did uh, yeah, a whole bunch of really interesting um we've got everything there and the musical theater yeah. is so 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 good that was my favorite did you think you took lane Napper's class right yes yeah yes he's my favorite mm, he's my favorite great. i love Nate's class he's very disney which is very handy because so much stuff is like halfway between jazz halfway to musical theater commercial yeah so before we move on, what would be your dream miscast role? A role that you would never, ever be cast as. I just love those funny female roles. Yeah. Elle or even Fiona mm-hmm. in Shrek the Musical. Yeah. Things like that. Where you just get to have fun. I don't yeah. need no dark, sad stuff. So not the color purple. Oh my God. No. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how people like Cynthia and Ben Platt. I don't know how they do that heavy, dark. Right sad stuff every night it's just yeah. so so hard and so like technical and difficult i'm just amazed yeah. and, I'm, and i'm just so glad that i don't want to do that <laughs> like don't let me do that put me in the chorus put me, yeah. let me do a funny i can do funny i don't want to have a <laughs> breakdown every single night no god no how, how ugh, yuck mm. <laughs> yeah probably something like that or audrey oh no audrey that'd be so fun so stupid oh yeah yeah i could see you singing some of that screen yeah something like that something dumb Speaking of something dumb, we've talked about it a little bit, but your roles as Link and as, is it Pepper? Yes. In Hairspray and Mamma Mia. I have a question written down that's kind of a joke, but kind of also not. What was it like playing a straight person? Ah, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know what? I think I probably talked to you guys about about this at NASDAQ. I think I was freaking out about it. I was like, how am I going to convince anyone that I'm heterosexual? Yeah. And we all had a big laugh. Yeah. I remember telling everyone that I was thinking they're like, good one. Yeah. I realize the way to appear somewhat straight, I guess, is just not to think about it. Just be normal. Just be... As well, actually, to be honest. So I just did the cruise and we, we, we had a, we had a rock show, uh, like an eighties glam rock, uh, Queen yeah. and, and Bon Jovi and all that. And I was so afraid. I was so afraid because I don't listen to rock very much and I'm not that kind of angsty rah rah kind of person. I don't really do the anger of it very well. Mm. And it wasn't until I realized four weeks into the six weeks rehearsal, it's just, this is just camp. It's all yeah. drag, all of rock, all of that kind of. And I was like, why am I worrying about it? Then I just can just be chill. Same thing. We had a Latin show where they were always telling us to try and look masculine because we were meant to be sexy Latin dancers with our partners. And it did take me a little longer to figure out how to do that one. <laughs> but, um, but I realized as well that the way to look like this kind of sexy masculine Latin dancer was to just look like you didn't care, care less. Don't, do so much. Just do what you need to do and be chill about it. Yeah, I think that's that's my advice. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't really think that Link or Pepper are written 
particularly masculine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, once I got with with Link, especially once I figured out that I just wanted to play him like so, because the lines are really, really dumb, just so stupid, like literally nothing going on in the brain. I was like, oh, that's my in. Yeah, into this character, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that easy. <laughs> I could do stupid. Pepper uh, was a long time ago, and I still feel like maybe the I don't know. I probably looked a bit. I probably looked a bit fruity, to be honest. You did have flippers and a leotard on, so yeah. Me and dancing up on Sarah Greenwood, trying to look like I'm into it. Yeah, bless you, Sarah. We weren't fooling <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Complete opposite side of grinding up on someone. You were in a kids' show at the court. Yes, I was in paintbox of a paintbox of clowns. Yeah. Uh, Dan Bain directed, which was, I'm very happy that he cast me in that. I'm very thankful. Uh, it was perfect, perfect timing again for me. It was, was it right out of, yeah, I remember because none of us got cast in Chicago because they weren't really doing the intent thing anymore. Yeah. Um, we auditioned, but none of us got in. <laughs> we auditioned, but none of us were ever going to get in. So that's no. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not cut about that. I'm not upset. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. I, I've got, I've got over that. I really we have. Got, we got to do cabaret. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I did love doing cabaret life, to be honest. Um no, the yeah, the kids show the kids shows at the court are really fun. Mm. Uh we did an interesting one though. We did one that's not really like the normal kids shows. There's in there's no speaking. Mm. It's all physical comedy. Gag after gag of clowning and you know, slapstick comedy and stuff like that. Um Dan was really cool because he was he has a clowning background he funny enough he took it really seriously the clowning yeah. <laughs> um he had all these techniques for example in in clowning i didn't know this but when you the red nose is really significant in in kind of like a transformative way of like when you don't have it on you're yourself and you're normal and you're right. asking questions and you're discussing things mm. and when you do have it on you are the clown and you cannot speak and you're doing the character and you're silly, you have to kind of turn your brain off and turn off the mm. thinking. That's like another version of the theater mask. Yeah, yeah. To the point where we were in rehearsals and I would, one of us would go to ask a question and he'd be like, oh, nose off first. Which is quite fun because then it can be hard sometimes to get into that really silly, not forward thinking kind of way that the clowns have to be. So it was a fun, we all kind of, you know, had a routine at the start of the show to put on our nose. Me, Millie, mm. and um, Monique. Yeah. And then get into it, which was really fun. And really lucky timing as well, because it was right right after Nes during the summer that it finished. Did that lead into the Jester's piano playing, or was that beforehand? That was before, yeah. That was well at Nesta. That came from, you know, playing at Southern Jam and, and jazz bands and stuff. And then also, like, a lot of the time I'd be playing in first year. Yeah. We would be improving stuff. Like, we did that kid's show and things like that. That was a really cool gig that I got to do to play for those guys. That was learning a lot about improv musical theater, how to make something sound a style quickly. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Is there a thought process that goes into finding that tune or is, do you just kind of play and it comes naturally? Yeah, well, it's a lot of listening to what's going on. The thing about improv piano is it's very, very impressive to people who don't play piano. Sure, or don't yeah. know how to don't know the tricks of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, because they think that you're just making it up on the spot completely. It's just coming out. It's yeah. it's completely new. When the truth is, it's a combination of like not really stuff you've played before, but it's a combination of this is happening and I know and I know enough theory to play something that's gonna make sense right now. You know, I know that this is a happy moment, so I'm gonna play these chords, yada yada yada, with these scales. Yeah. 
in this rhythm. It's like a Rolodex of quickly pick out what you know and put them together. It's not really like, I know this song or I know this 32 bars that I can play and I've memorized this. It's kind of more deconstructed, I guess, a scale, a chord progression, a rhythm, uh, and a feeling. And then like putting those things that you've already done before into one, I suppose. Yeah. I wish that I'd done more improv. I wish that I'd auditioned for them earlier and actually gotten into doing or done their classes or something. Cause I'm, I never really ended up doing that because I think in the end, I was like, if I ever have the choice between playing on stage and being one of the actors in their troupe, playing is so much more, first of all, safer for me, at least nine out of 10, no one's judging the pianist. No one's like, he sucks. They're not looking at you. First of all, it would have been useful to learn how to properly do the improv stuff. I, I, I found that if I ever played, like I got a few opportunities to like, do stuff, some stuff and warm ups with them and join some games sometimes. I just found that I just giggle. I just like, yeah. I get all shy and I don't know what to say and I giggle. It's really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Acting is improv. Yeah. Really. Like you're reacting in a natural way and, you know, that's improv. And I think it's a really, really important skill to have as, as an actor. Yeah. I think what bugged me about acting class was there was so many different techniques. There were so many different techniques that were just like, I, I'm much better working very, very simply and very like, just go do it, just do it and figure out a way to do it. And I found it really hard that when we were doing all these different kind of styles and techniques that I would just get really in my head trying to push this kind of way of thinking and then I just get bored. Yeah, I do feel for the tutors and the people who write the curriculum because like, there's so many different ways to do it yeah. and you can't teach it all in three years while also doing dance, singing and all the other stuff that we did. I mean, it's interesting. You come here and you see uh, people from other schools, from London, London schools, being from Nasdaq being from New Zealand, you actually kind of have a little bit, not, I don't want to say advantage, but a difference, a point of difference with the way that you've been taught because... A lot of the schools here, they will, there's kind of a stereotype that they will churn out the same thing, that everyone mm-hmm. will be the same, or like it'll be really, really dance focused. And so all the people out of the school will be great in a chorus. But then you get these people who are like excellent, excellent dancers and they look hot as shit, but then they can't write anything or they can't improv any, they can't. I, one of the most things I'm thankful for for NASDA teaching is how to do devising which yeah. I understand why they did because that's the New Zealand market. You know, yeah. there's no point in really doing that here or more, more to say that there's no point in teaching the way that they do here in Christchurch because the market just isn't there for it. If they were like really churning out dancers, 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 they're not making people for New Zealand. Yeah. You know, they're making people to go to Australia or to leave. And they and that's not what, you know, the government wants to pay for subsidized for a course that people aren't going to stay in the country to actually use so you get here and you're like oh i actually learned how to do a whole bunch of things that kind of can set me apart now unfortunately i haven't had the opportunity to show those things <laughs> but <laughs> we're just waiting we're just waiting for the yeah. for the right show to come around you know yeah so speaking of london how has it been compared to the new zealand sort of scene it's really incomparable to be honest there's so 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 much more work and so much more varied work I mean, they teach you to be diverse at NASDAQ and they, they try to get you to do a whole bunch of stuff. But if you're really, really, really good at one thing, then like you can get a lot of work here, you know, 
Yeah. People who are excellent, excellent dancers and who can't sing a note or can sing a little, little bit will get probably way more work than someone who can do both yeah. to a medium level. Because there's so many gigs that are just dancing or just singing. People who are really, really good singers can just get a singing job. Whereas in Christchurch, it's like, I mean, there's just nothing really going on. Is that you're doing your own work. You're making your own thing, which in a lot of ways is like way more fun than anything else. Um, yeah. Which I really actually envy. And I kind of wish I was back in Christchurch right now because I'm so bored out of my mind. And all I want to do is mm-hmm. go and do some devising and make up some fun stuff. And when you're here and you don't know anybody, I, I suppose it's easy if you've been to school here and you know friends and you know people. But it's hard here to do devising because if you want to workshop something, you have to find a studio and you have to book the studio and it can end up costing a whole bunch of money. People aren't really wanting to do things for free. So unless you're really good friends with them and they, you know, they're not doing anything, it's hard to find people who actually want to come and, you know, play and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I did a bit of a a gig at a theme park here in London and I also did a panto and then I went and did the cruise and that's been two years and I've only done those three things, which is fine. To be honest, the cruise took six, eight months. But then again, I didn't really need to be in London to get a cruise job, but I also did have to because I didn't know how to do it in New Zealand. It wasn't until I got here that I got an agent and she got me the job on the cruise. At the time, I didn't think I wanted to do a cruise or I didn't really, I was hoping to not have to. And then after I did it, I was like, oh, it's very, very important that I did do that because people aren't going to see you if you haven't done something at all. Yeah. You know, if you've done a bit of a, a panto and a bit of a theme park for eight weeks. It's just a, they, they do look at your CV when they're trying to like get the people in the room. So now that I've got one gig there, it is going to be helpful. Unfortunately, this was the year that I was going to be like really doing it, going to all the auditions and getting something and settling down on a flat and finding a regular job as well. But now that's all out the fucking window, isn't it? So mm-hmm. next year, um, <laughs> it was so annoying. The amount of money I spent in March on going to class a lot, getting headshots, making a vocal reel, and then to just have to just put everything on hold. I'm going to mm-hmm. have, when the, when the classes open back up again, it's going to be a struggle to get that stamina back up because, I mean, there's only so many YouTube hit classes that you can do in your bedroom before you start to lose your yeah. mind. I'm really hoping to get back into class. Yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm fine to wait. I have a nice flat, a uh, nice little room here. So it's all good. I just uh, keep you know, doing some little creative things by myself. I'm curious to see if Panto season happens. There has been, I have had some self tapes to send to that, but I think a lot of us aren't sure if any Pantos are actually going to be on because there may still be social distancing, but that's like December. So we don't know. Oh, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know what Panto is. (laughs) We've been talking for half an hour about Panto. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Pantomime um, is not what we learned in ESDA. Pantomime was a different thing that we learned. Pantomime in London and the UK is a Christmas tradition of theatre where they tell some sort of fairy tale of any kind and there's all these kind of traditional rules, not really rules, but these cliches. Um, like it's where the look but look behind you yeah. thing came from that's in a lot of kid theatre. A, a, a lot of children's theatre in New Zealand borrows a lot from Panto because it's 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 made for families, it's made for children and stuff. Mm. So when I did Panto, I did one in Brighton. We did Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, I was a dancer, 
And throughout the rehearsals, I was like, why is this so stupid? Why are all the costumes so glittery and crazy? For example, Jack, instead of like, you know, you can think of like Jack and the Beanstalk, he would probably wear like peasant clothes or whatever. But no, they put him in a in a gold satin shirt, rainbow patchwork pants and a green glitter vest. And I was like, what? I don't understand the fashion. I don't <laughs> understand. And it wasn't until we opened the show and the audience was there that I was like, oh, it makes sense now. People go expecting it. They know what they're getting. It's totally stupid. It's totally cheesy. It's it's kind of theatre for people who don't go to theatre. Um, sure. It's very inexpensive. So if you come to London and you want to do a job, Panto is uh, very handy because every single actor in the whole of London and the UK gets a job during Panto because there's 100,000 of them. <laughs> so it's basically just going to be me waiting throughout the whole of the year until Panto season comes around. Yeah. I might get a job if it's still happening, but we don't know yet. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So I guess we should wrap it up because it's almost been an hour and a half. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. But before we do that, as you know, this podcast is called Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams. And, you know, it's based around being a professional actor and all that. So I was wondering, what is your Kiwi dream? I have three years left on this visa. So I've got five-year ancestry, which is because my granddad was born here. Mm-hmm. So again, anyone at NASDA who's leaving, maybe don't do it this year because no one's going to get any work next year at all. So don't worry about it. But find out if your grandparents are from the UK because mm-hmm. uh, you can get five years here. And I would recommend I would recommend going overseas for a number yeah. of years because it's important to do that. And if you just stay in Christchurch forever, I mean, it's just as good to, you know, why go overseas. Experience different things. Yeah, yeah. So I've got three years left of that. And within that three years, I would love to do a Western show. A Western show. I would love to do a West End show. Just the dream, I, I suppose. But I would also love to do a tour of a musical. I would just love to do a musical, a, a professional long-term musical. It doesn't necessarily have to be West End, but it, it, I would love to do something that's, you know, a num- like a long amount of months and do a real show for a long amount of months. Hopefully I can do that within three years. I don't know. Um, because it's all luck. It always is. Um, yeah. So luck and timing. Right place, right time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think later on down the track, I would like to I would like to write musicals. I think I'd like to go and do a course in composition. Like I was listening to your interview with Luke. Yeah. And his course he did at NYU. Something maybe not as heightened as that, but something for a year or so. I would love to, you know, to sit back and see my own stuff on sure. stage. Yeah. Um, I mean, even to direct something as well would be really, really cool. But I, I've always felt to be a really good director, it's great to do the performing first. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I can't really understand if you were like wanting to direct people, but then have never performed. Yeah. You have to understand what it's like to do it, to tell people what to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, it's hard to have a specific kind of dream or goal because I, yeah, I'm a very firm believer that it's 99% luck and the rest of it is like you doing your practice <laughs> yeah and also if this year has anything to say about it you just don't know what's going to happen exactly exactly so you just have to wait and just see and it's hard to be you can't really be picky you don't want to build up this dream when you really have no control over it yeah. if that makes sense I mean it's great to have a dream of like I'm going to be on Broadway but you can't hold on to that because you you just have no control. It's much more easier just to accept that and then just enjoy the things that are actually happening 
than being like, I've got to focus on this one thing, you know? Yeah. It comes out of the most unexpected places. Like, I wouldn't have done Playhouse if I wasn't sitting next to Sam Harris in the dressing room of the court theatre in JCS. Yeah. And he asked me, are you going to audition for Playhouse? And I was like, no, probably not. And then yeah. he got the idea in my head and I did. And then I got it. Like, it just, exactly. it, it just all comes from the most unexpected places. Yeah. But I would, I would recommend, definitely recommend to people leaving NASDA, leaving theatre school. As in finishing theatre school, not dropping out. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People finishing third year, there's a really cool thing. You can, you can go to New York for a year. They have a, I didn't even know this in third year until someone told me about it. Like, you can go to New York for a year after graduating. They have a visa to do that and you just go and you work in right. the US or well, not even New York, the whole of the US. Yeah. Um, actually don't call me on that because Trump may have effed that up for the rest of us. I don't know. <laughs> you can either get a five year visa for the UK if you have ancestry or you can get two years, which is also great. However, unless you're crazy, crazy, excellent and amazing, two years is not enough time for you to build up enough contacts yeah. to really, but you, but you just need to accept that and, and, and go to, the UK for two years and like have fun and go and see all the shows that you can. Especially if you're a musical theatre person, I think, because New Zealand isn't really a musical theatre. Well, it is, but a musical theatre country, it's not where it's from, you know. You want to go where it's made and see what people are actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, since I'm trying, I'm catering this to people who are in NASDA a little bit yeah. because I want to try and give some sort of advice. For someone who has left very recently, well, what, two, two, three years? However long we've been out. Yeah. Out of the, out of our cells. I cannot stress this enough. You need to film everything and you need to buy a hard drive. These are physical things that you can do that are easy. Um, it's not like you need to believe in yourself. You can fuck off. <laughs> you need to film everything and put it on a hard drive because A, you will lose your phone mm-hmm. and you'll drop it down the toilet because I did that and I lost all these videos from theater school that now I'm like, I wish I had, um, because A, I want to look back on them and also, the amount of times that my agent has been like, can you send me something? And I've not had it. It's been embarrassing. Yeah. Because I wasn't trained. I mean, I don't know what they do now. I I heard that they do some sort of self um, real thing in third year. We didn't yeah. do that. People didn't really think that that was a really necessary thing. Yeah. But being in the UK, it is so, so, so important. And especially in this time, because everything's in video. Yeah. Film everything and also film, figure out how to film it well. So f- you know, go learn a dance at Kirstie's class. Well, figure it out. And you have all, and oh my God, I'm just remembering, like take advantage of the fact that you have space, you have rehearsal space, you have pianos there to use. You have lovely studios that are great for filming and for doing whatever you want. Come to London or even when you, I don't know what it's like, but I assume when you actually leave Nesda, I remember it's not that easy to just get into a studio. Mm. You either have to pay or you have to know somebody who's just going to let you go in, figure out how to film stuff in a way that you like. Cause I also hated watching myself all through Nesda, which is maybe the reason why I didn't keep the videos. Cause I was just, and also they had some funny rules about videoing things while people are still in school. Cause they didn't want to publish them. Anyway, make a reel, make a good reel make it your goal to make a good reel because that is how you get a cruise as well. Even though no one's getting any cruises, you know, it's just, it's so important to film something that's good because my reel sucks, to be honest. I don't like it. And I tried to film things on the cruise and I struggled. And then this was meant to be the year that I was meant to redo it and do it professionally and do it well. And obviously it didn't happen. So now I'm just like really antsy to get something filmed for Panto and stuff. And I can't, so it's really unfortunate. So film everything. 
That's it. And keep it on hard drive because yeah. you'll lose your phone and drop it in the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nikki. You're welcome. It's so fun. And thank you to everyone else for listening. And we will talk to you next week with another guest. Bye. Bye. <laughs> awesome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing Nikki and I talk about our experiences with NASDA, amongst other things. There was some great stuff in there, and I hope we were able to inspire someone to keep pursuing their dreams. You can find Nikki on Instagram, at NikkiDouglas000. Also, check out some of Nikki's compositions over on soundcloud.com forward slash NikkiDouglas000. As I said in the intro, if you would like to support me and the podcast, you can do so over on patreon.com forward slash and other Kiwi dreams. I'd love to see you there. You can also find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our website. All of those links are in the description. Join me next week as I talk to someone who just hates Michael Bublé on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams.